Well, Ben Shulman, no matter how you draw it up, a win is a win is a win. But it definitely, I don't know about you, it definitely feels good seeing them grab a W that both sews up a series victory, something they really sorely needed, and heading into an off day that wraps up a road trip to boot. Like yesterday, you and I were discussing a loss after the team scores seven runs. And today we're discussing a win after which the team scores three runs. But Dalton Varsho bouncing back to play a starring role in the win today. It's it's funny how much a difference a day can sometimes make. Yeah, it's it's the best and worst thing about baseball sometimes that you can correct a lot one day to the next or not keep something going one day to the next. It is a completely new page of the book every time the calendar flips. And for Dalton Varsho and the Blue Jays, May not have been the prettiest in some respects, but they end up coming away from a division leader on the road with a series win. I know some some people are probably inclined when when you hear that and say, oh, well, the twins, it's the weak division. But, you know, but either way, they are the division leader. It's still okay. I mean, even if they're not the Dodgers. I I think my where I go with it is if you're going to complain about the twins being a division leader, but like not being a real division leader, then I think in the same breath, you can sort of complain about the Jays not really being a basement dweller, even though technically yeah. they are right. Like, I think it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing to me to a certain degree. Yeah. And at the end of the day, division leader or not, it's a playoff, hopeful baseball team, yeah. a pretty talented baseball team, even if they're not stacking up exactly to how the AL East teams necessarily would. It, it's not a slouch of a series win by any means. It's one that I think people expect the blue Jays to win, but at the same time, it, it still is a pretty quality series win. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Show Adley. Welcome to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We are streaming live on sportsnet.ca as well. Taking your calls and texts. Phone lines are open. 416-870-0590. star five ninety on your cellular device. 590-590. That's the people's text line. You can always text us there. It's always open. And please leave your name and location if you do choose to reach us via the text line. Uh, I mentioned Dalton Varshow. And phenomenal stuff from Varsho today, right? Great base running, runs on contact on, I guess, the Alejandro Kirk blooper, perhaps a little blooper there into left field. He scored from first. He was he was watching it the whole way. So great awareness from him to score from first on that. Uh, that's a great throw as well from Varsho from center to third base to end the inning. Chapman lays down a nice tag right on the runner as he's sliding in there. And then, of course, the the cherry on top. Like, it would have been fine if it was just those two things already from Varsho. But the cherry on top, the catch in basically the exact same spot from yesterday, right? 24 hours ago, he tries to track down the ball, bounces off his glove for a home run. And then today it's a terrific catch to help out Eric Swanson. You know what? If you want to go back one more inning, you can add in the home run as well <laughs> if you really want to. But as far as today's game goes, Ben, boy, lots of great stuff from Varsho. Yeah, I think it's exactly what you want to see out of a young player who it would be understandable if, you know, a day like yesterday, especially with a play like the play that happened in center field and then another home run being hit just out of his reach right after you'd understand if that could shake someone or put someone under some pressure. But I think you see a lot of what the blue Jays like about Varsha, not only in the fact that he's incredibly talented defensively and they showed on the television broadcast today, still, even with what happened yesterday rates as 
one of the best defenders in the in the American League and in all of Major League Baseball, but also you know he's he's one of these these juniors, not just Vlad or Bo or Kevin Biggio. His dad, a longtime coach and a player before that, and you wonder if some of that calmness or that that ability to put stuff to the side day to day comes from a maturity that you would gain being around someone like that. I mean, there is no better way to get back into the good graces of your coaching staff, obviously a leaping catch and stuff like that. And nice throw, but those are things that require, you know, talent alone. Whereas the instinctual base running play to know the situation, understand the time that the ball's taken to get down there. And he's fast, but he's not Kevin Kiermeyer, And he still found a way to score on that base hit. I think that was a great start to the day and really showed, you know, the willingness and the want of Varsha to kind of put yesterday behind and, and turn the page and put a good day together today. You know, you and I are both football fans. I've seen people comment that Cardinals quarterback Kyler Murray runs like a toddler <laughs> holding his like parents' cell phone. I think Dalton Varsho kind of runs the like quick, him. the quick yeah. steps, Elbow. the wild arms. Yeah, I, I think it's the, I think it's what it is is the quick steps more than anything else because he's not a he's not like a towering human being. He's not like no, Aaron he's, Judge out there. He's a, he's a shorter one of the guy. shorter players on the team. Yeah, and, and so when he runs, like the arms kind of out to the sides and 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 the small steps. I think it's, I'm not I'm not making fun of the guy. It's it's terrific stuff because yeah. he has been phenomenal and he does. Some great stuff. You mentioned the graphic that was shown on the broadcast. I, I believe the broadcast showed Haseon Kim of the Padres right at the top of defensive run saved. Uh, I think it was Ramon Laureano yep. with the Oakland Athletics right under there. And then it was Kiermaier and Varsho yeah. right under there. So there, Kiermaier and, of course, Kiermaier is not available because of the back thing. But putting him aside for a second, that Varsho, if you take out his teammate, is one of the top three or four guys in all of Major League Baseball in defensive run saved even when you work in what happened yesterday and that was a, a bad snafu, it's just unfortunate that the two home runs happened like literally back to back. And he was on the receiving end of both of those in the outfield. Even if that second home run was probably, no one was getting that one probably for the most part. But even when you count that and you count what happened today, he is still up there. Yeah, he, he is. He's a really good player and the bat still needs to come around. I think they expect and want more production out of that, but you know, I, I really don't because it's been done enough. Want to relitigate a, a trade over a guy that has five years of contract, 50 games into it. But this, it isn't all about looking at the offensive numbers that everyone's putting up. It's a philosophical change for the Blue Jays to be a stronger defensive team. And to think about the fact that they can have Kevin Kiermeyer go down and still have plus center field play. I mean, that is huge. The Blue Jays were searching for average defensive play in the outfield in most spots last season. All of a sudden, they're plus in pretty much every spot, even when they don't have the top guy in there. And when you're not hitting necessarily the way that your team could be hitting, that's the type of thing you need. You need to make the extra plays. And Varsho earned them two extra outs today, really, with his catch and the throw to third, ending an inning. I wanted to also... uh throw this text at you again, 590, okay. 590 name and location. Uh, we'll get to all of your texts in the people's text line. Uh, see some calls here getting uh, piling up here, getting in queue. So we'll get to the calls in a sec as well. But uh, this text is from Nate on Wellington street. So from right here in downtown Toronto, Nate says uh, very happy about Varsho's late, late clutch catch today, but now with the inevitable injury to one of the starting outfielders and with the way Guriel is playing as of late in Arizona, isn't the Varsho trade looking like a heavy overpay. So that's Nate in Wellington. I, I I'll say this, like, I, and I'm curious where you fall on this, Ben. I don't think you'll be able to fully judge the Arizona trade 
until we know for sure what Gabriel Moreno is. Because Lourdes Gurriel Jr., I think a part of and the And what Dalton Varsho is. And Dalton Varsho certainly as well. Because I think we we think we hope we know what uh, what Varsho turns out to be. Uh, because you've seen some certainly some flashes of it so far. But the bat perhaps is not always where you want it to be. Uh, totally admit on, admit, admit on that one. And, and I know it doesn't help that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is having a pretty good season so far in Arizona. But at the same time, we, we, we said this before, we've seen Lourdes Gurriel Jr. be extremely streaky and extremely hot for stretches at a time. Like We have gotten hot maze out of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in his time in a Blue Jays uniform. So if it keeps up, then maybe you can have a different discussion. But he's also a free agent after the end of the season. So if he doesn't re-sign in Arizona, and maybe he will, maybe he won't, who knows, maybe another team drastically overpays him or something. But if he doesn't re-sign in Arizona, I'm not certain. That's, that's going to end up as a wash for the Diamondbacks. That that's a team that has a just boatload of young, talented outfielders that they can replace him with. So they may not need to re-sign Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So really it depends on what Moreno is. And I, I don't know. Like how do you really judge like a, basically a rookie catcher? You can't really. So no, who's who, to be fair, I know his batting average is really high remains not hitting for any power. Like he's today, he's zero for two and he's about to drop below a 700 OPS. If he doesn't come up with a hit, I think that a, a little bit of the heat behind Gabriel Moreno might be a little old fashioned batting average focused. And I'm not so sure that that's, exactly how we grade baseball players out today. It's, right. it, I, I would say it's neither a heavy loss or a heavy win. It's 50 games into a trade where Gabriel Moreno will be a diamondback for five to six more years at a minimum. Dalton Varsho will be a blue Jay this and four more years. Like there's just, there's way too much to be decided at this point. And I was just looking today before the game to see, mm-hmm. I mean, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is off to an incredible start. There's no denying yeah, that no at the plate, especially no uh, they did, or let me get to that after he's off to an incredible start. He's built up 1.6 war. Dalton Varsho has hit not even close to what the blue Jays want him to. He's built up 1.1 war going into this game. I mean, it's just the defensive contributions are completely different and it's harder to measure that. So it's understandable to look at those huge numbers that Gurriel's putting up at the plate and think, yeah, he's way outpacing Varsho. But let's not forget the Toronto Blue Jays played four outfielders last year for most of the season in not most of the season, but way more than everyone else did, like significantly more than any other baseball team. Even the Tampa Bay Rays and all the funky stuff they do, we're not doing it. And they weren't playing four outfielders because of George Springer. That's all I'll say. It, it There is was clear deficiencies that were brought with the great hitting of the two guys that were let go to other teams. And the Blue Jays ha- have changed the philosophy. And I think, like you mentioned too, I mean, Lourdes Gurriel, very good player, very good Blue Jay. There's no reason to go and root against him or anything like that. Oh, yeah. But do I think he's going to have an OPS above 900 by the end of the season? I'd highly doubt it. I, I would be very surprised. I mean, he has hit in a way that, again, he would hit in these hot streaks, and then all of a sudden it would flame out, and then he'd get hot, and then it would flame out. I'm not sure that you're necessarily looking at a, a very mean sample of Flores Correal, right? Yeah, now. hey, look, I am I am happy for Arizona that they are not that far out of first place in that very tough division, and I'm happy that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is having a yeah. big big part of that. It's super, I've never been anything but super nice to me whenever I've gotten a chance to talk to him. A great teammate by all accounts. I'm for sure. glad that the Diamondbacks fans out there in the desert are experiencing some peanut power, but it's true. Like it, it, well, It's probably not going to stay like this even by the All-Star break, for, yeah. r- realistically, and I say that as someone, and I know all the listeners have seen and heard this as well based on 
every bit of the sample that we've gotten personally here in Toronto based on watching Lotus Gurriel Jr. And I'm not saying that to to bring him down in any way. No, it's I just, hope he finishes the year hitting yeah, 315 so with a 915 I. OPS because it doesn't change what the Blue Jays have if he's hitting well, but it doesn't feel realistic. Uh, that has been Shulman. I'm Show Ali. Let's get to the phones. 416-870-0590-1888-6-0590. Star 590 on your cell. Go back to the text line as well in a couple of minutes. 590-590. Name and location. That's the people's text line. On the phones right now, Randy joining us from Etobicoke. Randy, welcome to Jay's Talk. What's on your mind today? Hey, big fan. Thanks. Uh, my mind is uh, maybe uh, with this day off, if the Blue Jays maybe want to think of changing the starting pitching line up a bit, give Manoa a couple of extra days off, move uh, Gosman up to get him between Kikuchi and Manoa. So in case uh, we burn out the bullpen with the way their pitching is going, maybe give a little break and maybe it'll help, help Manoa being in between Bassett and Gosman a bit. What are your thoughts? Thanks so much for the call, Randy. I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. However, I would be surprised if they would do that, given that they've already announced starters at this point uh, I, I or probable starters. These right. are games that they start preparing for days in advance. So I do think to a certain extent they'll try and pitch Alec through this. They also do have 13 after this one day off. They have 13 days of 13 games. So there's not a ton of room for them to finagle stuff around. And while Gosman has been phenomenal this season, there are some numbers about whether he's on five days of rest or four days of rest, which have significantly changed what his numbers are. So again, I actually, I don't think it's a bad idea, but Agreed, I guess yeah. what I would say is that I just don't think it's going to happen because the probables are already out. It's likely that they're already preparing for this kind of stuff to be in place. Yeah. The Jays basically have, I'm just looking at the schedule right up until the all-star break, including the 29th, which is tomorrow. The blue Jays have four days off between now and the all-star break. Sorry, five days off between now and the all-star break. July 3rd is also a day off. So uh, until between now and July 10th, which is the first day of the break, they have, they have four days off. So you're right in that it doesn't leave. And again, I don't think Randy's idea is a bad one, No, but, uh, but I just, you're right in that. I don't think it's, it's very possible. Having said that, if Alec Manoa still is struggling at the all-star break, maybe we're asking different questions. If it's still, the struggles continue like this to this extent until the all-star break. But if you do get to that point, the all-star break is a sort of a chance to, you know, kind of like rejig that starting rotation to a certain yeah. degree. Like maybe, especially, I mean, we just talked about the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks coming to Toronto uh, with a, immediately after the All-Star break is over, like the Friday after the All-Star break is done, July 14th, I think that is, then uh, you're, you're going to you're gonna probably want to put your best foot forward. I mean, in Arizona, the Zach Allen's having a tremendous year. He's probably going to be the starter for Arizona. Merrill Kelly's really good too. He'll probably pitch in that series. So, so be- if that's the case and you want to line up the, 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 your best pitchers and Manoa is still struggling, then may, that's, I think maybe a chance you can go do what Randy's talking about here. Yeah. I, I think they w- would have potentially already done something to, you know, maybe skip a start or something like that. Purely speculating. Had they had an option at Buffalo right now that they felt was serviceable to come up and pitch in a spot start, or if the bullpen was performing to the point with a serviceable opener where they thought they could do that, but they both had some bullpen struggles and really a ton of Buffalo rotational struggles right now. They do not have a guy in Buffalo, if you go look at the stats, that is pitching well enough that you would be inspired that he would have a better performance than Alec Manoa would, frankly. There a lot of guys with similar numbers to Manoa, but at a level below, and obviously a pretty significant level below from AAA to the major leagues. So 
Again, don't think it's a bad idea, but would expect uh, the probables as reported by Sportsnet's Ben Nicholson-Smith on Twitter, at B. Nicholson-Smith, to stay that way, which would be Kikuchi, Manoa, and Gosman. At least I I do think he gets a solid matchup in Julio Tehran, who's a bit of a wild card himself right now. I see a text here on the text line, 59590, name and location. I think this is from Jennifer in Toronto. Uh, she says, I could be wrong also. Please leave, leave your name and location. But this one says, uh, Guriel was not the point of the trade. Moreno leads and thrown out runners. Why don't you mention that? We do not care about Lourdes. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the text from Jennifer. Uh, the person who texted about Lourdes cares about <laughs> Lourdes, other, other texter. But yes, Gabriel Moreno is definitely a solid defensive catcher. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you know, I know a lot of, and I'm, I won't speak for the texter here, but just a lot of people have said, well, why didn't they trade Kirk instead of Moreno? It's, it's not the same thing. I mean, truthfully that, uh, that Gabriel Moreno is a very talented catcher. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a good player, but you know, if we're talking about defensive prowess, once again, Dalton Varsho fourth in all of major league baseball in defensive runs saved. And the blue Jays, I think by, by most fans reports to us are happy with Danny Jansen as a defensive catcher, Alejandro Kirk, Definitely still working on some stuff, but, you know, throwing out guys is also a a bit of an interesting thing to look at. Neither catcher for the Blue Jays has had a great rate of throwing guys out this year. Does that mean it's Kirk and Jansen or does that mean it's the pitchers? It's definitely something to look at. But yeah, no, he's, he's a very good defensive catcher. That is a good point. Again, it's 50 days in or 50 games in to a trade that has four or five year implications. I'm sure after James Shields made his first start <laughs> as a member of the Chicago White Sox, and, and I think he pitched pretty well, they were like, yeah, we don't need that Fernando Tatis guy from the bottom of our prospect board. And that trade didn't work out so well. So, you know, I, I, I just would halt a lot. We really don't know who these guys are yet. I see a number of texts here about the pitching today, uh, like this one. And this goes back to what Randy was talking about, about the pitching uh, this one said, this is from Dale. Dale says, great pitching today. And Bo, what more can you say? I actually like this one. Like many Canadians, the Blue Jays are like part of the family. And like family, it's important to support them through the tough times. That's when it's needed most. Baseball is a business for some, but for most, it's a sport slash game. Remember that the players, though very talented, are humans like us. When I see their imperfections, I remember my own. Thus, understanding replaces the need for forgiveness go Jays my family that is I I pretty sure Dale is the same person who texted in about like the light and the darkness from a couple of days really? ago uh that's very prophetic a, I like it it's very um yeah maybe it's a very uh I don't I don't want to deep feels not the right word to to describe Dale's thoughts like me, on the very Blue Jays. meaningful yes meaningful thoughts on the Blue Jays yeah I mean we all make mistakes I struck out in a softball game this week and I've, I played <laughs> baseball my entire life that's that's one of my more embarrassing moments on a diamond in a long time but the, the pitching today was really good. And, I, and it is a reminder, you know, for for everything that happened last year and and understandably all the frustration thrown in the direction of Jose Barrios during that time. I mean, he's been quite remarkable, I would say, so far this year. When you look at the numbers overall, it's first impressions can be lasting ones a lot of the time, and he had two bad starts. His ERA right now, six one-hundredths of a run higher than Chris Bassett's as we finish up this turn of the rotation tomorrow or pardon me on Tuesday with you say Kikuchi Jose Barrios is starting to pitch the way that the Blue Jays traded for him for and signed him long-term for and you can't go out there and expect great starts every time he certainly had some concerning signs today with the five walks but he is starting to look a lot more like that Jose Barrios that occupied target field for a while which is a guy that can give you length and a good shot to win every single time he goes out there five and two thirds four hits no runs 
five strikeouts and five walks. Unfortunately, I know quality starts are kind of like an archaic stat, but one out away from a quality start, ah, too bad. It's a, yeah. a little unfortunate because I, I think he had pitched well, but I think we, you and I were kind of talking about this during the game. Not surprising they didn't have a super long leash for Brios in what was A, a tight game, pretty much the entire way through and be a day off a, a game before a day off in which you still had all of your highest leverage guys available. And we pretty much saw that today because you and I were talking about the, the usage of Trevor Richards. And I do want to talk about Richards, but yeah. because Richards had last pitched, I think it was on Thursday after Alec Manoa's struggles in the final game against the Tampa Bay Rays at the Trop. You hadn't seen Trevor Richards since then. And again, I, I don't, I'm not sure if Trevor Richards is like the highest leverage guy you'd pull out there. Swanson is probably still that guy and Romano is still your closer. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, Richards has been very effective this year. So nice to see him be the guy come out and give a little bit of length before you do decide to pull the trigger and get to uh, both Swanson and Romano. So uh, great stuff from Barrios and I also great stuff from the bullpen. I mean, they didn't allow a single run today. So how can you be displeased with it? Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. Like you mentioned, because they didn't have to use any of the high leverage guys yesterday. If you're going to lose, I guess, you know, make it convincing so that you don't have to pull those guys out of the pen. They had everyone today. I, I think in a different situation, Barrios easily could have been allowed to pitch further, but why not with this day off? Everyone will be fresh for Tuesday and that shouldn't be an issue. And Richard's, providing uh, just so many different things for them length and ability to go out there and face lefties. And I think also a a big thing, which Blake mentioned is he's a guy that can go out there. And if you pinch hit for your lefties with righties, you still feel pretty confident. Tim Mesa can pitch to both sides of the plate, right? But Richards a little bit more easily profiles to pitch to both sides. And this is one of the better stretches he's frankly had in his entire career. It's really, really nice to see for a guy who's been in the majors for a good chunk now that he is starting to get some higher leverage spots. And yeah, you're right. I don't know if he's like top, top leverage for them, but it was not a nothing spot that he came into today. And had he not walked a batter, he probably is allowed to finish up that sixth inning or pardon me, that seventh inning as well. But just with the, you know, the, the all or nothing power of Joey Gallo and a man on base. And at that point, a two run game, it was understandable that John Schneider really didn't want to mess around this team badly needed to lock up its first series win in two weeks. All of Trevor Richards, Eric Swanson and Jordan Romano all got three strikeouts today. Each of them ended the day with three strikeouts. And uh, frankly, on that walk from Richards, I think you could probably make the argument that he got squeezed on some of those calls because he made some interesting zones. Yeah, he made some very, very good pitches that were not called strikes. And Barrios, I think, equally got squeezed, which I think he had five walks. And I would say maybe at least two of those walks perhaps should not have been walks and should have at least been strikeouts or, or outs at the very least. Right. Because he pitched that well. So, so perhaps the numbers do not tell the entire story of what went on today. Cause that was a, you say interesting. It was a, not a great strike. So today oh, yeah. was not a consistent strike zone. We use yes. that term a lot when we talk about zones, wasn't a consistent strike zone. Yeah, it was, it was a little all around, but uh, especially, you know, the three relievers that you're right. They're really effective. Nine strikeouts to one walk is always a number that you're going to smile at. I think if you're Pete Walker, or any of the guys on the blue Jays, you know, pitching, coaching deployment. And uh, 
Eric Swanson probably was the nastiest of all of them. I mean, it was both of us thought we're talking about, you know, you could leave Richards in for Gallo. Yeah, like certainly sure. the change up change up does play away from lefties, but Swanson pretty quickly shows why he's going to be brought into a situation like that. Just immediate three pitch strikeout of Gallo. And it, it's a guy who strikes out a lot, but still I, to make a major league hitter go down that quickly, I think is always kind of a, a fun thing to watch from the outside. So yeah, the bullpen was very good. The starting pitching was certainly quality and the offense didn't do a ton, but when you play good defense and you pitch well, a lot of the time, you know, the Rays, not this year, Rays of previous years when they weren't hitting as much, had it happen all the time. A lot of the time, the game finds its way into your hands. Someone on the other side will make a mistake if you're a better defensive team. Yeah, Richard Swanson and certainly Jordan Romano as well, just disposed of all the batters they faced. I know, I know uh, Romano did allow the hit at the very end after with two outs. And like we mentioned, the walk with Richards, but ultimately they like it did not feel as though with anyone of the any one of the the relievers that this game was particularly, uh, let's say, like in, in a in a the spot where it might be getting out of hand. Let's put it that way, because all of yep. them were so efficient and and played very very well. And like you mentioned, Swanson fanning Gallo on three pitches to end the inning, and then no hits or walks from him in the bottom of the eighth. Yes, he did get the the assist. Let's call it from Varsho on the great catch that he redeems both Swanson and himself. And the camera cut to John Schneider, and he was also laughing in the dugout, probably thinking the exact same thing everyone else is thinking that hey, great great stuff for Dalton Varsho. So a great win, a three nothing win the Blue Jays today. Let's go back to the phone lines. 416-870-0590. star 590 on your cell. Steve calling from Thornhill. Steve, welcome to J-Stock. What's on your mind? Hey, thanks for having me and taking my call. I just find I'm watching John Schneider this year, and it's a replay of Charlie Montoya last year. He's making decisions, and he's put his team in the position they are. If I take two players only to deal with what he's done with Romano, Bring him in, bringing him in in non-safe situations. What is it? He's lost four games where he brought him in with three one leads and he blew him. And then you take Garcia, who's put in high leverage situations where he's blown. That's the difference between somewhere between four and six games and puts them right into the middle of the pack where they should be. Thanks so much for the call, Steve. I, I, I will just point out a three-run game is a safe situation for what for what that's worth. I, I'm not sure if, if that is what you meant or just, you know, not the closer safe situations, but uh, up three, nothing is a safe situation today, especially with a day off. I think you have to go to your highest leverage guys. It, it's, I understand certain critiques of Schneider this year. I'm not sure that those are ones I necessarily go with. I think Romano being asked to do four or five out saves or two inning appearances. Those are things that Schneider does specifically that Montoyo didn't do that have not necessarily worked out so far this year and in the Garcia situation, I mean, he comes in, he's your setup, man. Everything you saw last year, I think you had to, unless, unless he is uh Houdini or, or someone, not Houdini, someone who can see the future, unless he's psychic. I'm not sure you would know going into the season <laughs> that Houdini can't see the future. We don't maybe know. he could, who knows? Maybe that's how he pulled off all the tricks, but uh, I'm not sure you would know that Jimmy Garcia was going to pitch poorly until it happened. I mean, he was by far the second most important reliever for the Blue Jays all of last season. Maybe you could argue that they stuck with him too long. I think that's that's a potentially valid point. But up until last week, Jimmy had put together like nine scoreless appearances in a row. So uh, definitely, you know, I think some things to look at with a lot of the base running decisions today and stuff like that. I'm not sure that I agree on those specific bullpen deployment points, but uh, appreciate the call and the opinion regardless. I do think with John Schneider, I see Steve's point in the sense, because we've talked about the difference with Schneider and Montoyo in the sense that I think Schneider has instilled 
an aggressive sense of base running, and we saw some unfortunate base running mishaps today, perhaps. And I don't and know yesterday if yesterday and the day before, and yes, and, yeah. Yeah, kind of Groundhog Day with the base running, unfortunately, as of late. But I, so perhaps that, perhaps that specifically can be traced back to John Schneider. But I do think I see Steve's point when you compare Schneider to Montoyo in the sense that I'm not so sure any manager, whoever it is, we, whether it was Don Mattingly or someone else, I'm not so sure that it would be all that different beyond small things in terms of how the game is managed. Because I do think, and I'm not even sure this is only a Blue Jays thing, when when you look at managers across all major league teams, I think more than you realize, it's like the high-performance departments are having their, they're not like call, I don't think they're calling down to to buzzing in his earpiece being like, hey, do this, John, (laughs) right? I don't think that's necessarily happening to, to anyone really, but just in trends and the way decisions are informed and so on, I do believe that the high performance department, the khakis, as Blair and Barker like to say, <laughs> have a have a hand in how these decisions are made. So I can I can see why you might say, okay, well, is Schneider really all that different from Montoyo? And is Montoyo all that different from someone else? And That's so fair. on. Yeah, I, I you know, it, it is it is not an offense to managers who I do still think have certain tangible impacts on games, but I I agree with you. I think it's much different all across Major League Baseball. I really do not think this is a Blue Jays or or a Mark Shapiro administration type thing. I, I think the majority of major league organizations are far more controlled from the front office today on a day-to-day basis right. than they were, let's say, 30 years ago. And that's because of the ones that were successful doing that, like the Oakland A's teams that built a lot more than they could have and the Boston Red Sox teams that took that principle and, and added money to it and reversed the curse and the Houston Astros teams that, you know, built a dynasty. Yes. With some stuff in there, but still won a lot, a lot of games regardless of that. And, and the LA Dodgers who do a ton of that too. So I, I, I would agree. I, I should say that, that I don't think it's that much different. I don't think there's an insane different, especially strategy wise from one day to the next, but I'm not sure there would ever be. I think a lot of it has to do with some bullpen decisions that managers make, but still, you know, again, if, if the issue is Garcia and Romano, like Charlie Montoya was going to Garcia in the eighth inning and Romano in the ninth, there's no difference there. So I I think most managers starting the season, managing this blue Jays team would have thrown those guys out there. And I'm not sure that, that there are many places other than the base running that you can look for the huge changes. Speaking of John Schneider, he did just finish his availability with the media. So we have some clips from that. Before we take a quick break, let's play one of them for you. We've talked a lot about Dalton Varsho today and how, uh, you know, the Dalton Varsho, I was going to say giveth and then taketh away, but today is really taketh away and giveth if you want to go in, in that order because of how well he played today. Uh, this is John Schneider, the skipper, speaking about the value of Dalton Varsho's defense. I mean, baseball's. Baseball's funny, right? So yesterday happens. You kind of knew something like that was going to happen at the wall. Great throw to third. And, you know, you can't speak enough about him scoring from first on a bloop single like that with, you know, two outs, not taking anything for granted, understanding that you got kind of an infielder slash outfielder in center and just not taking a playoff. You know, it's just, you know, not assuming that it's going to be caught or that he's just going to get to third. He's played in every single game the last 17 days. And he busts his ass all the time. And, I, you know, little things like that don't always get, you know, recognized. But um, it's a huge play. It's a huge play for us, you know, both that scoring, the catch at the wall, the throw to third. Um, you know, for as magnified as he was yesterday, I'm thrilled that, you know, he gets to be celebrated today. Whenever I think of 
the difference of between what Dalton Varsho did yesterday to today. I think that clip from Dumb and Dumber when I think it was I forget if it was if it was Harry at the very end of the movie and he's like, and then you go and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> That's what we got from Dalton Varsho today. No, it, it it was yeah. I think I think you summed it up. It was a a perfectly redeeming day. A, a baseball season is full of tons and ups and downs, teams and individually. And I think what you try to do is control your slumps and, and limit them as much as possible. No one's going to go through a year without making an error. No one's going to go through a year without some sort of mishap. And for Varsha to be able to so quickly turn it around and provide so much value today on the defensive side, but also offensively. I think just shows one of the reasons why the Blue Jays went out to get him. They still want more from him offensively, I think, but the defense has been and will continue to be there. That is Ben Shulman. I'm Show Ali. You're listening to Jay's Talk here on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, back to the phone lines, back to the text line as well. I see a number of texts on Vladdy, a couple of texts on the base running. Certainly wanted to talk about those since we ta- discussed Barrios in the bullpen, and we'll check in on the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365 as well. But you're listening to Blue Jays Talk. Sean Ben with you back in a flash on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Um, good fastball command, and he's got he's got really good command of either the breaking ball or the changeup. Today was another example of that, and I think it's just getting back to, you know, what he's been doing his whole career, and it's locating, uh, making big pitches. I think two-seamer was really good. Him and Kirky were in a good, good little groove, but um, it comes down to execution with him, and, you know, it kind of got away from him last year, but he's... He's been this type of pitcher for six or seven years, so um, kind of just expect that now. That is John Schneider discussing Jose Barrios, his five and two-third outing today. Uh, no runs, which obviously means no earned runs as well. Uh, five walks, five strikeouts. He was phenomenal today. Again, unfortunately, I know I said this already, but quality starts, I don't mean very, very little, I would think. But especially to these guys. Especially, yeah, especially <laughs> yeah. to these guys. But uh, un- un- unfortunately, he did not get the quality start because he was one out shy of, of six full innings, five and two thirds. But still, hey, you take it. You take the, the play from Jose Barrios, who is, I think, as we discussed, the differences between last year and this year, certainly one of the best surprises of 2023 because he's looked pretty good so far. Uh, but the Blue Jays do, behind Jose Barrios's five and two-thirds, get a 3 nothing win to wrap up the series and head into the off day with a victory before the three-game set starts at Rogers Center on Tuesday against the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, before we get back to the text line, uh, time for the Major League Standings Watch, presented by Bet365. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of live games, build your own bet, and you can even make a bet while the game is still being played. 19-plus, play responsibly. Ontario only. The only unfortunate thing, Ben, is that every other team apart, I mean, the Boston Red Sox are playing the Arizona Diamondbacks right now, but apart from them, every other team in the AL East did win today. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, the New York Yankees did win 10-7 over the San Diego Padres in New York. The Orioles eked out a very close victory, 3-2 over the Texas Rangers, and the Rays won a wild game, a wild game, 11-10 they win over the Dodgers. So with all the, all those results being final and the Red Sox playing right now. So we'll use their record when they entered play today, the standings are as follows. The Rays are 39 and 16. The Orioles are 34 and 19. The Yankees are 32 and 23 Boston entering plays 28 and 24 blue Jays, 28 and 26. So if you, if the, if the Red Sox lose and they and are it, trailing for nothing. They are losing to the Diamondbacks right now. Tanner Houck got smoked in the first in the first inning, even. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if that if that results holds, 
then uh, I believe the Blue Jays would be half a game back of the yes. Red Sox. Yeah, and uh, Lourdes Correal Jr. just picking up his second hit of the game why for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Because I'm inviting pain. I'm inviting, you know, you can tweet at me. I get it. I get it. <laughs> that is a check of the Major League Standings Watch presented by Bet365. All right, let's get back to the text lines. 590, 590, name and location. Okay, so let's talk about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So I see a whole bunch of texts on Vladdy here. So I'm, I'm going to read a bunch of you, a bunch of them for you. Okay, Ben. So Stefan Quebec uh, should be a good idea to keep Vlad out of the next game. Can't be worse than it was today. I see one from Rob in Sunridge. A great team win. Great defense. Good series win. Strange first inning when the two first batters reached. And we still, we don't even see a fourth batter. What does this team need to do with Vladdy? Plays great defensively, but is showing throughout his career that he is an average hitter. Too many ground balls to third base side. Do you think dropping him in the order would help? And a couple other ones like that, for example, like uh, Daryl in Toronto. We need to talk about Vladdy and moving him down the order. I would like <laughs> I would like Blake to do some homework for JSTOC Plus tomorrow. How many strikeouts and double plays has he hit into the past month? He's killing us right now. So a lot of uh, 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 perhaps maybe not anti-Vladdy sentiment, but uh, some ne- negative. Pretty anti. <laughs> I, can, I, can I like spark notes? We did a long discussion on this yesterday, and it is available on JSTOC, uh, the podcast version, if you want to check that out wherever you get your podcast. But he he's certainly having a disappointing month. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, and, you know, similar text coming in about Brandon Belt. So I'm assuming that most of the texters and callers still want him to move ahead. Matt Chapman, go look at the numbers, having a significantly worse month than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And as nice of a season as what Merrifield is having, I'm not so sure that is the necessary thing. Also, on the thought of keeping him out of the lineup, then you're replacing his bat with uh, take your pick of Ernie Clement or Nathan Lucas. Mm. Which or Kevin Biggio, if yeah. Kevin Kiermaier is healthy, not sure that that sounds like more. You can't, you can't put a guy on the bench and he him get out of a slump that way. Also, he's still you know statistically grading out as one of their better hitters. I, I just don't see where you move him down, and uh, I, I have to vehemently disagree with the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is an average offensive player. He is not having as good of a year as he should be having. The average offensive player does not hit 285 within even an 813 OPS, which is what he's at right now at the bottom of a slump. They're hitting in like the 240s, barely scraping 700. That's that's just simply not true. His issues do continue, however, For which, sure. is, which I, is unfortunate. He, I'm not saying that he has not been disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But there's levels to disappointing. Yeah, it's, not, it's not he is awful yeah. or he is the best hitter on planet earth. There is a middle ground certainly. Yeah. And, and he is not, to, he is not towards the top, the, the upper echelon of that comparison. He's towards the lower echelon right now for his lofty standards, but you're right. He's having a, he's having, he's being, he's okay, but he should be better than okay. Yeah. And, and, and you saw it today, right? Like there was a runner on third, there was one out. He expands way too much swings at a few pages that were just far out of the zone. Uh, I think I think at that point, based on everything we've seen from Vladdy, when you erase the Luke Rayleigh Grand Slam from a couple of days ago, it's, it hasn't been going great for him. I think we would have all have taken a deep fly ball there, or even just one on the ground the opposite way, even if it was a sack fly at that point for the fly ball. It, it is tough, right? Even later in the game, and I think this was another situation in which I thought, boy, maybe you do consider moving him down, but like you're saying, who do you move above him? Because, yeah, top six, I think it was. Vladdy fouls back a pitch. He probably when he's not expanding would just hammer that ball for a home run, like right in the, just underneath the middle of the zone, right? It wasn't particularly hard thrown. And then he badly, like badly waves wands, whatever you want to call it over a breaking ball. And he strikes out. And then 
you know, continues to strike out. So it's just like, don't get me wrong. He's definitely having a poor game. It's just, I just, I'm not really sure there is something to be done with Flatty right now because there's no one else you could promote above him. Like I, I absolutely not. I want no part of Kevin Bichio batting above Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I want yeah, no this... part of Lucas or Clement batting above him or giving him a day off. If he's not injured, like he's just going to have to unfortunately figure it out at the plate. Yeah. And, and these types of months happen. If your expectation is 2021 again, I would really reframe your expectations. This is a complete anomaly in the career of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And there are some very tangible reasons to why it is. But yeah, he certainly needs to improve, especially in those situations. He still by far has the second best numbers behind Bo Bichette of anyone with runners in scoring position. And like you said, I just don't see a candidate to move ahead of him. They need it. They need him to hit better. Certainly when their offense was really going well in the first month of the season, it was him for a lot of that time propelling the offense. He had some really solid numbers going into late April and early May. You have to hit yourself out of a slump to a certain extent. You can't put a guy on the bench for five days. All of a sudden he pops out. Now he's raring to go because he hasn't seen a pitch in five days. That's that's just not how it works. Guys go into slumps. Bo Bichette is going to slump at one point this year, yeah, even though oh, yeah. he's having a great year. Yeah, and, and hopefully it's not this prolonged. But, I mean, even for what it's worth, too, perception and realities, Grady... Vladdy grounds into a double play today. It's only the second one his month. I'm not sure you want Blake to go do that math because I'm not sure it's going to affirm what what you think is happening. He's striking out too much, but grounding into double plays, he's he's grounded into six of them all year. It's not that crazy. Tony from Kitchener texts in. Uh, she, I think it's Tony with an I. So I think it's, I, I could be wrong. I lean that way. I, I could be wrong. But, I lean uh, that way. Uh, Tony says, uh, what is going on with the Jays and running bases? And it's the veteran guys that should know better. I don't know anymore. It's like they try to beat themselves out there. Everything is already going poorly for them on the bases. And look, I, th- I think the point about it coming from the veteran guys, I think is a well-taken one because it, like, I, I do think to a certain extent, it's always going to be awful. Bad base running is bad base running, right? Like if, if you, if you do dumb things in the bases, no matter how old or young you are, how many, how much service time you got, whatever, it's going to look poorly. It doesn't really change. Right. But at the same time, when you see it coming from guys like Springer and him going with uh, top it's, of one, it's tough and, to know if that's bad base running though, because right. if his co- if if the managers tell him to steal, that's not bad base running. I mean, it's bad decision making then. But by them though, by then, then. Yeah, like we have Springer. no idea. It, and true. even if he made it, it's more bad base running to me is like a pure mental mistake. Like right. when Matt Chapman decides to try to go to third. that was bad. Yeah, that's bad base. Or running. the Edward Julian stuff today. Yeah, that's yeah. bad. You know, like it's you have to get caught stealing to steal bases sometimes. Right. Now I don't agree with the decision. But yeah, it does feel like they're pressing and, and I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, no. It, does, it does feel like they're pressing and, and you wonder if it's coming a lot Fired too up. from the guys who aren't having a great month. I mean, Vladdy gets, gets thrown out when he was rounding the base too far in game two or game one, game one, cause it was Correa of this series. And then Matt Chapman today, like these are two of the guys that are having much tougher months in May than they did in April. I, still bad base running. But, you know, that's that's a potential cause why. Now, I would agree that they probably shouldn't steal with Boba Shed up at the plate, given what they've done <laughs> offensively recently. Yeah. But, yeah, it is tough. They need they need to run the bases better. You can't give away outs and win many games. The the, the Chapman one today at third base. Like, it was bad. It was bad. It was, it was bad. That, that was a, a terrible decision. Well, regardless if it was his decision or if it was the oh, that one's, decision, it yeah. seems like it was Chapman's decision. That one's on him. Right? And, it's just, and I think that's, it goes back to what Tony was saying, is that when, when it comes from Springer and Chapman, you feel like they should know better basically right like if if edward julian does it, a guy who bar- has barely played in the majors 
despite his the results yesterday. And I mean, he had, he did have a great game today, frankly, unfortunately for Canada's own Edward Julien. But you know, when it comes from a younger guy, I, I do kind of feel like you're like, okay, well, it's a learning experience for him. Matt Chapman and George Springer have been around bases a lot, a lot in their career. So I think that's why. And then you add in like the belt thing from yesterday towards the end of the game. I think that's why people harp on it because it's it's frustrating when it comes from a guy who who in theory should know better. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's going to be frustrating. It's not like we didn't get text with Vladdy. He's the youngest guy on the team. Like, it's going to be frustrating whenever it happens. Frankly, they just need to cut it out regardless. All these guys, whether you're 25 or you're 35, they, you've played professional baseball in the minor leagues probably or college baseball before that, high-caliber baseball for close to a decade, if not more, before you get to the major leagues. They They do need to do better, and they probably should have a bit of a change in terms of their aggressiveness right now because they aren't hitting the ball that well. I will say, and I'm not defending the decision today. Being aggressive is one of those things that looks great when it works. When Dalton Varsho <laughs> scores from first, you love it. When Matt Chapman tries to go first to third, you hate it. it it's, it is a double-edged sword to a certain extent being aggressive because it, it always looks great until it doesn't. The defenseman who pinches at the blue line scores you a goal sometimes costs you a goal sometimes. And again, the decision today on that first to third bad, but it's more, I think, philosophical about should the Jays be an aggressive team on the base pass? And it looks like they at least want to be, whether people agree with that or not. Uh, we have some post-game audio from Dalton Varsho. We heard a bunch from Fun. John Schneider and Dalton Varsho, who I think is a pretty well-spoken athlete, all things considered. Uh, we have learned in his short Blue Jays tenure. Let's hear from him. Here's Dalton Varsho discussing his catch and also that scoring play from first base. Yeah, I mean, obviously... You, you always want to get every single one, and obviously it's not always going to work that way, but um, when you're able to catch it for your pitcher, it just, it's a nice feeling because I know that it's a breath of fresh air for them and it gets them kind of back in the rhythm, and obviously it stops the momentum for the other team. You scored from first on a single today. What was going on in, in that play that allowed you to score? I just try to run, run my butt off, and try to try to score. Um, obviously, you know, I, I originally saw the outfielder take one step back, and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to score here. And obviously, it was a big kind of boost for Jose to kind of have a little lead and uh, be able to throw the ball over the plate. So you didn't see him dive and knock the ball away, or nope, anything? nothing. I just put my head down, trust Louis that he was gonna send me at a certain point, and just being ready for that. Hey, well, there you go. Great stuff from Dalton Varsho, kind of addressing a whole slew of the things he uh, he he was involved in today. And uh, like he said, when when he made the big catch, you could the cameras immediately went back to Eric Swanson, and he had just an ear to ear grin. He was very pleased that uh, Dalton Varsho made that bounce back catch. Yeah, it was a massive play in the game at the time. Really stopped a lot of the momentum that could have been built by an extra base hit, which it looked like it might be at one point. It's a huge play and then you know him going through the base running play too I think it's a breath of fresh air for a lot of people that you know may want more sprinting around the base pass in baseball in general these days Dalton Varsho essentially saying that he's running like he has the send until he sees the stop sign and that's how you're taught to do it running like Louie was going to send him until he until Louie threw his hands up and he never did he kept waving him to go and that scored the Blue Jays a really important run at the time to make it two nothing and eventually a three nothing game I see a text here. There's no name on this one, but it says, Hey, Sean, Ben, the Jays finished the first third 28, 26. Now they probably had a tough strength of schedule. Here's hoping the next 54 games will be better. I'm not sure what the strength of the schedule is for the next 54, but it should be easier. I don't know what it is exactly for the next 54 either, but I will say, yeah, it's hard you, to find those like for specific pockets. pockets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when you look at the schedule, 
Yes, they play the Brewers. I mean, the Brewers and Mets, the way they're playing right now, are not exactly world beaters. The Houston Astros are having that's that's the next uh, after the Brewers, the next uh, four game home series Tougher. in the first week of June. But they they had some issues. Astros, yeah. yeah, they're not your your the Astros of yesteryear, perhaps. If only because of the starting pitching has been very very depleted for the Houston Astros due to injury. The Minnesota Twins come to town, and I, I think that the toughest stretch for the Blue Jays before the end of the 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 first half of the season are away series in Baltimore and Texas when you play the Orioles and Rangers back-to-back. But, I mean, if you're going into the All-Star break from June, let's see, 19th, you play the Marlins, A's, Giants, the Red Sox are in there, to be fair, White Sox, Tigers, and then it's the All-Star break. If you don't make up some ground against those teams, then then I think you could press or get, get near to pressing the panic button. But in theory, you know, I know it sounds terrible to say, oh, you should beat them on the bad teams. You should beat the good teams too. But at the same time, if you can make up some ground there, then I would think the strength of schedule to the texter's question is likely easier. Yeah, it's it's Later. one of their, their more opportunistic pockets of the season for sure is that last little stretch coming up before the all-star break and you know a lot of win streaks and losing streaks are determined by schedule it's just the reality of what baseball is and how much the schedule can dictate sometimes you're winning and losing so I think it is massive and, and the Blue Jays can potentially have a much better record come all-star time we will see how it looks uh, maybe this time next weekend when you and yeah. I are doing Jays talk for the Mets series uh, thank you for listening to Blue Jays baseball brought to you by Crown Rust Protection did you know that vehicles rust faster in warmer weather as the weather warms and we all get ready for summer and it's hot outside make sure your vehicle is protected from rust with Crown visit crown.com for your nearest location for Ben Shulman Ben Wagner Blake Murphy Tom Young Nick Blackmore I'm Show Ali thank you for being with us on Jays talk this evening Jays blank the twins 3 nothing to wrap up a series victory a day off tomorrow I I don't know what you're doing. I'm going to see the little mermaid. I I don't know what I'm doing yet. I, I think I'm going to unplug a little bit from right, baseball for a little sounds, bit. That sounds like <laughs> probably the best idea. Watch uh, game seven between the Celtics yeah. and Heat. Perhaps that'll be fun. When Jay's talk uh, returns on Tuesday, Blair and Barker have it Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. Ben Ennis has it on Thursday from the Rogers center. Ben Shulman and I are back next weekend for the Mets series. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>